0: Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. But I do have um, the privilege of finishing off this series that we've been doing on peace. And I'm going to ask, you to turn with me to Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 to 9 and it has been the verse for uh, the whole series, it's been the passage of scripture that we have used. Um, And I'm going to read it to you in just a second but just now we're going to pray. Father God I thank you for your presence in this room tonight. Father God I thank you for your spirit. Father I thank you that when we come together like this that you pour your spirit over us. Father, just as we sang, Father, you come and you stand amongst us and you move. Father God, we invite you into this place tonight. Come and touch our hearts. Father God, come and speak into our lives. Come and do what you need to do within us tonight. Father God, as we sit here and we wait on you. Amen. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 9 starts off by saying, be anxious for nothing. And I love... uh, I love these four little words, be anxious for nothing. Because what God is saying through Paul is be anxious for nothing. Your past, your present and your future, don't worry. Whatever you're facing today, he's saying don't worry. There is absolutely nothing to get anxious about. Yes, I think there are some things in life that cause concern. But what God is saying is do not get anxious and so he goes on to say, um, verse six. from verse 6, he says, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are holy, whatever things are of good report... If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So, when life throws stuff at you, this is how we handle it by prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving, let it all be known to God. Our minds um, can be a real battlefield. And when I I was looking at this, and I was looking at this scripture, and I was realizing that Paul had written this from a prison cell. And I think that sometimes we read stories in the Bible, but because we're not there experiencing it, we don't actually know fully what they're going through, fully what it takes to write a piece of scripture like that. And um, when I was looking at it, and it was speaking about how um, he would have been in this cell with bars and he would have had a guard chained to him and he would have had chains round his legs and round his ankles but still there he is encouraging us to focus all our attention on God. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. In chapter 1, verse 12, he speaks about the chains being for the furtherance of the gospel. And... Um, You know, I think that sometimes when we go through situations in life, we can be very quick to say, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? And here Paul says, turn your attention on God. Turn your focus right round and let it be on God. I have this story of when um, I was about the age of 10. I'd never really been away from home before. I was about 10 or 11 And we had gone away on this school trip and we had gone to this outdoor centre. So we're at this outdoor centre and um, we were told that we were going to be abseiling. And I had never abseiled. So I'm there and I'm saying to my friends, this is going to be great. This is going to be so good, I've never done it before. So we got into the minibus, not really completely aware of what we were going to. It's a bit like turkeys at Christmas (laughs) time, (laughs) really. The back of a truck. (laughs) Not really fully aware about what's just about to happen. But there we were, and we were in this minibus, and we were on our way. And I remember we got to this bridge, and it was a really, really, really high bridge. And um, the person that was in charge of our group said, right, everybody out of the minibus, and we all jumped out of the minibus, and we're standing in the middle of nowhere thinking, where are we abseiling? And he said, okay, we're going to abseil off the edge of the bridge. So immediately at the age of 10, I'm talking Naya's age, I'm talking this high, we looked over the bridge and we were like, what? And suddenly this fear came upon us like, you have got to be kidding that you're going to make us go over the edge of this bridge and just dangle from ropes. <laughs> and we're there and I remember the fear and probably if I went back now, it's probably not that high a bridge, but at the age of 10, it was, it was massive. <laughs> So I remember um, we were all kind of roped up and everything was in place. And he said to us, okay, so, so we had these ropes and he said to us, okay, right, Ruth, you go. So I went and I remember standing at the top of the bridge and knowing that there was this big drop behind me, thinking, how oh, on earth? I just can't do it. And I had a rope in one hand and I had a rope in the other hand. And I can't remember, I have sailing because I'm talking 30 years ago. I can't remember exactly how you did it. But I knew that I was feeding a rope this way and feeding a rope that way. And I was dangling. And so what I was aware of was that I had to go over the top of this bridge and just let my weight fall into the ropes. But I was also aware that it was a really windy day. And I'm there and I'm thinking, how is this even going to, how does this, how do you survive this? (laughs) So I'm there and I, I managed, I got to the top and I managed to just, he said to me, Ruth, just let your weight fall into the ropes okay, so I just let my weight fall into the ropes. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, the ropes have got me. So I'm feeding the ropes through, and I'm going over the edge of the bridge, and I'm dangling down. And I had a lock, sort of round about here, there was this lock that was just sort of holding the ropes. And I'm feeding the rope up, and all of a sudden, my hand went up, and my skin right there jammed right into the ro- into the lock. And I remember all of my weight holding that lock tight shut (laughs) and my hand being stuck like this I "I don't even know what to do, nobody can help me I'm on my own, I'm hanging off the edge of a bridge so I'm there and I thought right okay with this arm I will pull up all my strength and I'll relieve my hand couldn't do it tried my hardest to pull up with all of my strength and I couldn't get all my strength to just relieve that lock so what I had to do was I had to just tear my skin (laughs) the lock. And I remember looking and thinking, not only am I absolutely petrified, but I'm now missing a (laughs) section of my hand and I have skin stuck in the lock that is holding everything together. It was so awful. It was absolutely horrendous. But I remember being there and I remember my only comfort was in the fact that I was being held by the ropes and that I could see the goal. I could see the ground. And yes, I was dangling in the middle of nowhere, but there was a comfort in that. My comfort was in the fact that I was being held and that I could see the goal. And so whatever it is that you're facing right now, you are held and there is a goal. There is an end result. doesn't matter how horrendous it gets. There is an end result, okay? And that is for somebody in this room tonight because... I know that some of us in here have walked through some really tough stuff, but we're still here. And we're still singing God's praises. And so there is a goal, and that is what your focus has to become. Amen? So whatever you're facing, there's a finishing place in Christ. Okay? So here's what you do between the start and the finishing place. One, you make your requests known to God. And two, you, medita- you meditate on everything that is good. And when I say meditate, I mean to anchor your thoughts, to glue your thoughts, to secure your thoughts in the fact that God, who is the maker of heaven and earth, is holding you. I have something to show you tonight that I know that most women in this room have. Now, if you say you don't, I would be brave enough to say that I think that you might be telling a lie. I'm going to show you something right now. Now, all the girls are going to put up their hands. How many of you know what this is? You know what it is, don't you? Yeah, you know what it is. This is a lump of jewellery. From my jewellery box. And we all, do we all have one? Or am I, yeah, we do. Much, give me a show of hands. All the girls, yeah, there's a few. Cheryl, you don't, because yours is immaculate. I've seen yours. Yours is perfectly, perfectly laid out. But most of us who are normal and do life at a pace that is ridiculous have one of these. And these are the items of jewellery that I don't normally wear. But that I kind of just overlook. And in here, there is about one, two, three, f- about six, seven, maybe eight pieces of jewellery in that. Isn't that clever?
1: <laughs>
0: but it's amazing because this actually, this lump of jewellery has sat in my jewellery box like this for about four years. <laughs> four years. And everybody, all you girls are the same. You all, do you have one? You have one. Do you have one? Yeah, you have one. Laura, do you have one? You do have one. No. But this is what our thought life is like. It sits like this, this mushed up mess. Of worry and concern and anxiety for such a long time within our heads You're all still laughing. Are you laughing at this? There's somebody out there with O C D or something that's looking like, give me that ball of jewelry. Is that you? Do you want it? I'll give it to you in a minute. I'll give it to you in a minute. I'm worried you're gonna find something that you've given me. I'm worried that you're gonna be like I gave you that. Okay, I'll give it to you in a minute. But this is how a lot of um, mindsets sit in our heads for a very, very long time. Do you know why? Because this takes perseverance and it takes patience to unravel, okay? It's true. It's so true. But our mindsets, our thoughts sit like this for such a long time, for years and years and years and years, and sometimes it gets overlooked. I will go into my jewellery box every single, probably Sunday, I don't really wear jewellery through the week, but on a Sunday I kind of feel the need to make you look like I've got it all together. <laughs> but so that's usually when the makeup comes out and the jewellery comes on. But anyway, but I look at um, I look at uh, this ball of jewellery every single Sunday, and I do this. I have my jewellery box, and I'll do that, and then I'll look for all the other bits because this is just the lump of a mess. And so we all have. Or do we all have a lump of mess? Maybe we don't all have a lump of mess, but we all have stuff that's going to take perseverance and it's going to take patience in order to unravel it for you to be able to start using it again and operating as you should be operating. Cheryl, this is for you, but let me check. There's nothing in here that you gave me first. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't think there is, but I (laughs) apologise. If there is, and don't let anybody else see it, just in case there's anything that anybody's I know, I know, I know. <clears throat> so in verse 9 um, of this chapter, Paul says to the church in Philippi, do what you see in me and the peace of God will be with you. So here's what we learn about Paul because Paul was absolutely incredible. And um, he's somebody that we talk to talk about still today. And he's still shaping churches today. And he's still shaping lives today. And he's still... Um, He's still helping us and inspiring us to do our walk with God today. So the first thing we learn from Paul, hold on just a second, is that God will use anyone and your past does not define you. And that's amazing about God because Paul was somebody who killed so many people. He was somebody who tried to stop Christianity. He was somebody who, way before he knew God, he was wild. And God will use anybody to, uh, God will use anybody in order to spread the gospel throughout the earth. And I I love this. I love it so much about Paul because he he totally is shaping churches today and he is pulling us out of our comfort zone on every single thing that he says. Your past does not define you. Your past does not define you. Okay, when you accept Jesus as your saviour, you leave your past behind and your journey has begun. Okay, and it's gone. Your past does not define you in the things of God. I think it's amazing how I think probably most people that are in this room will have a story of somewhere that God is using them. But somebody said to them many years ago, you'll never be good at that. Some, it would be probably the most of us do. I know, I remember listening to Lisa vivier speaking about it. And Lisa vivier is blind in one eye. And because she's blind in one eye, her biggest fear was speaking in front of people. And it was working on a computer at school. Because when she had to work on the computer, she had to turn her head right round to look at the board. And people would tease her because of it. And now she does, she sells So many books, she writes them on her computer and she speaks in front of thousands of people. God has used her in the areas where where people said she would never be, her weak areas. Number two is allow every season to shape your life and to make you bigger. Your personal life with God is very, very important. And one thing that I've learned over the last little while is that my worship time and my prayer time is the most important thing to me. It's the most important thing to me. It's the one area that, that's where I get my strength. That's where I get my energy. And in chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He was rejoicing all the time. Paul was amazing. In verse 10 he said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. His life was full of thankfulness and it was full of praise. When we speak about things like Paul being stoned, I think we think to ourselves, oh, yeah, you know, he was there on the ground and they threw big stones at him. But there was actually a procedure that happened before that. And there were things like they were thrown from a great height onto the ground before the stoning even began. There was a lot of torture and hurt that went on before the stoning. And so he, got, he went through so much, but yet, he says here, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He was full of praise. And number three is love others. Acts 17 verse 16 says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Because he cared about them. He cared about the condition of their hearts and he cared about how they lived. It says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him because of the state that they were in when he saw that they were given over to idols. We have to care about those round about us. We have to care about our city. We have to care about our communities. We have to care about those that are round about us. Proverbs chapter three, verse three says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them round your neck, and write them on the tablet of your heart. When we were down in Brighton in the summer, we go down um, every summer to the conference down in Brighton, and we were staying in accommodation at one side of Brighton, and my sister Katrina and her husband were at another side, um, on the other side of the pier. So it was probably about a 20-minute walk, something like that. And this, it was very dark. There was this one night, we had been round at theirs for a while, it was really, really dark. And we were walking home and we were really aware, we were walking with Josh and Naya, but because it was so dark and there was crowds of people, we just had our eye on Josh and Naya. So we're standing waiting to cross this road right right at Brighton Pier and there's this little boy and he was probably about five or six, maybe, and he was just standing on the pavement all by himself, crying. He had lost his parents. And we're standing (laughs) over at the other side, waiting for the green man to flash. All the cars were going uh, back and forth and we could see this little boy crying at the other side of the road and what we were aware of was that at any point, well, actually, he was about to step out onto the road while the cars were moving and we're over at the other side shouting probably, don't walk, don't walk, don't walk but he he, he couldn't hear us. But what amazed us was that there were people on his side of the pavement that looked at him and kept on walking. And he's, he's there and he's wandering around in such a state. And people literally looked at him and kept walking. And here's this little boy about to step out onto the road into traffic. So we went over and immediately before he got onto the road, we stopped him and we stood with him. We managed to get him back to his parents. But what we realised and what shocked us so much about that was that there is a huge amount of care missing in our world there's a huge amount of care that there is this huge gap where the church has to step in. Mm -hmm. There's this huge gap because, actually, most people would walk past something like that and think, I'm not getting involved. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was, when we did get involved, a security guard from the pier came over and said, I've been told you're holding this child. (laughs) And we looked at him like, what? And we said, no, we're standing with him till he gets to his parents'. And then he said, well, I'm taking him over here. And I said, well, I'm coming with you because I don't know who you are. So off we walked together and we found his parents and everything was fine. But that's how the world works. The world works in a way that's just don't get involved because you'll get yourself in trouble. But we as the church have to look for these gaps and these areas where we can step in. Amen. Amen. Are you still with me? Good. Okay, we're going to turn to Luke 15 if you have your Bibles. Cheryl, how are you getting on with my jewelry? I've only got one free. <laughs> okay. I got one free. Got one free. Sorry. I'm just trying to. I'm looking. No, no I'm just going to get. No. Sorry. Right. <laughs> so, Luke 15 is uh, a parable with three parts. And um, Jesus told these stories to people who shouldn't normally have been around a rabbi, but it's, he was sharing with them the heart of God. And the first story is about a man who has a hundred sheep. He loses one. He leaves the 99 to go and find the one that has gone missing. And it speaks at the end about how heaven rejoices over one person that gives their life to Jesus. The second part is a part about a woman who loses a coin and she sweeps her whole house in order just to find this one coin. And it speaks about The joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. And then you've got the third parable. And I want us to read this. Anthea, I'm reading the NIV version for this third, okay? So it's verse 11 to 32. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, "'Look, all these years I have been slaving for you "'and never disobeyed your orders. "'Yet you never gave me even a young goat "'so I could celebrate with my friends. "'But when this son of yours "'who has squandered your property with prostitutes "'came home and killed the fattened calf, "'my son,' the father said, "'you are always with me.'" Oh, you filled the fattened calf for him, sorry. "'My son,' the father said, "'you are always with me "'and everything I have is yours.'" But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. I love this story because that father represents the heart of God for us. He sees us from a long way off. Every single one of us, he saw us from a long way off. And the moment he saw, even in our heart, this desire to come, he immediately clothed us with new clothes. Jesus was there even before we were. I remember as a little girl, I remember being in my room one night, and I must have been about, oh, I was really, really young. And I remember I had just given my heart to God, and I remember sitting in my bed and praying this little prayer and saying, God, I find this really hard, because I go to church and nobody else is there my age. And I found it really, really difficult. And I remember falling asleep after I prayed that prayer and having a dream. And God spoke to me really clearly in that dream. And he said, Ruth, I'm with you always, even as I was with Mary as a child. I am with you always. I walk through every single day with you. Jesus was there even before I was. And that astounded me because even before, you know, when I prayed that prayer, I didn't even have to wait. God spoke immediately. He was just there. Brian and I have seen countless occasions in our lives where we've needed to see God. He's been there. He's spoken. He's spoken clearly to us. He's moved for us. Jesus is there before you even have to ask. And he gives you new clothes. And it's amazing. (laughs) And he gives you new jewelry. I think I have about 10 items coming. As soon as Cheryl has unraveled that bundle, I will have jewelry I have not worn in four years. And I will feel like I have just bought I think probably though I symbolise a lot of women on a Sunday morning, who go home on a Sunday night and just look at clothes all over their bed and all over their floor and jewellery. I do, don't I? It's like you 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 plan to yourself right. Saturday night I'll get organised and I'll set what I'm going to wear on Sunday morning out, and then Sunday morning comes and you've not done it. Say, Brian, where's my dreams? And all that kind of. Yeah, we're all like it. Don't tell me you're not. What? because you know everything (laughs) but God does he does clothe us with new clothes and one thing that I um, one thing that I find amazing about God is that when you come to him he begins the journey all over again it doesn't matter what your past mistakes are it doesn't matter what you've done he starts you from scratch and he started my life from scratch The brother in this story represents somebody who is not at peace with himself. The brother that came in and started complaining and said, why are you killing the fatted calf for him? He's just gone away and spent everything. That brother that was in the house, he's not at peace with himself. Why on earth is he comparing himself to the prodigal son? Because he's not at peace with himself. If you look at Psalm 139, we don't need to read it, I don't think. Psalm 139 speaks about how uniquely made you are, fearfully and wonderfully. Even before you were born, God wove you together in your mother's womb. He he, he had spoken the call that he has for your life out way before you were even born. God is amazing. Psalm 139, if you want to see how God feels about you, read it. But at this time of year, we celebrate Jesus. And we celebrate the fact that he came down to earth and he came down to earth with purpose. He came down to earth with this mission. And this mission was to be relentless in the pursuit of your heart and your life. Even before his death, his life that he lived, even right up until his final moments, he was forgiving and he was loving. The purpose of his life was for you in John 14 verse 25 it says this he spoke this um, just before his death and he said these things I have spoken to you while being present with you but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all things that I said to you peace I leave with you my peace I give to you Not as the world gives, do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do you know what? You look out there, and there's not a lot of peace going on out there. Uh, You know, even on Facebook, there's not a lot of peace going on there. I look at, um, you know, you, you go into your prayer time and your quiet time with God, you'll find peace that passes all understanding that the world can't give you and the world can't take away. The world can't give you that level of peace that God gives but it's within him and it's available it's available for us it's, it's there right now and even in this room tonight you know we have been here for the last few weeks and we've been speaking about this series called Peace but I want to ask you how at peace are you? how at peace are you that God is holding you? how at peace are you with your life that your past is covered by the blood of Jesus? how at peace are you that your future is held? In the hands that created the earth. And the planets all around. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.